Hi, and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. My name's Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently a board-certified behavior analyst working at a private center. The whole goal of this podcast is to help you with balance. So you'll have some episodes helping you at work and other episodes helping you outside of work. I hope you guys are excited to dive into today's episode. Let's get started. A lot of self-contained teachers feel like they're on an island. I definitely can relate to that feeling. I felt like nobody in my school understood the challenges of my classroom or could help me. And the truth is, you do have support. You have your IEP team. You're on it as well as your general education teachers, your related service providers, and other people. It might feel like you're alone, but you can rely on your team members. I felt stuck because I didn't know how to ask for help, but once I realized that my speech-language pathologist, SLP, and occupational therapist, OT, could help me do my job, as long as I just used the right strategies to ask for the help, we could build a strong relationship that benefited students in the end. So we're going to break this down into four main components. Techniques to communicate, things to communicate, times to communicate, and tips to communicate. This podcast is part of a series, and I've been using those same four T's, techniques, things, times, and tips to make it easier for you guys. So let's see what this looks like working with our team members. The first area is techniques to communicate. So this is going to look a little bit different depending on your related service providers and how they're supporting your classroom. Some classrooms might have a speech-language pathologist in it for an entire morning. Some might have SLPs come in for just 30 minutes once a week. It's going to depend on your situation, but I do think that it's really important that you meet with your related service providers outside of times with kids. And I've got three different suggestions. So first is having a common planning or lunch. This one is a really difficult one to orchestrate, but some years I was able to make it work and it worked really well for me. I didn't have a lunch or planning, but I could usually find like 15 minutes once a week or even once a month that I could get out of my classroom and my OT could arrange her schedule to have that same block free. And we could sit down and kind of plan what we're going to do in our classroom. We both had time constraints. We had to make it really quick, but having that check-in was really helpful so we could stay on the same page. Another option is meetings before or after school. And this might be the only way to get meetings in. It might be a pain to schedule, but it's really important to have that collaborative time with your team. I liked meetings before school because we typically didn't have any other obligations. We just got to school about 20 minutes early. The downside was we were again capped on how long we could talk. After school meetings were a great choice because we had unlimited time to talk, but the downfall here was that we were all more likely to have something pop up that would get in the way of whatever we had planned. My last suggestion is the most difficult one to orchestrate, but hear me out. Try having a meeting with all your related service providers, even just once a quarter, if you can. A lot of times, our students have complex needs. It's not usually clear-cut, like this is an OT issue, or this is a speech issue, or this is a behavior issue. When there was a problem, I might have thought, I just need my OT's perspective. But the speech therapist might have really good input too. And I found that when I could have that mastermind come together, it was the best thing for supporting students. But again, you might not be able to do this. Like I had an OT that was split across three schools. So she only worked at my school in the middle of the day. Before and after school was not a possibility. 
So I got this idea from Kim from Little Miss Kim's class. She uses a digital form. So her team has a Google Doc that they use to communicate. All team members, including paraprofessionals, have access. Whenever they think of something that they need to mention, they could put it on the form. And this is a really smart idea because even if you're not able to talk to your SLP face-to-face -face as frequently as you want to, if she sees you put a concern in the Google Doc and she has something that she can drop by for you to try, you're still getting the support you need. So this is another great idea. Let's switch over to times to communicate. So you might have something in your IEP called consult minutes. Consultation minutes are opportunities for related service providers to teach skills. So for example, if you have a child with an AAC device, you might have consultation minutes and the speech therapist might use that time to show you, the teacher, how you can embed the device in the lessons in your classroom. It's a really valuable way to make sure that you're getting hands-on training and support, and it allows the SLPs and OTs to make sure that everybody is implementing the skills across all environments. Another thing that you should consider is team meetings, especially if you don't have consultation minutes. Those team meetings are still a great way to keep everybody on the same page. During these meetings, you can discuss progress on IEP goals and strategies to support those goals. It's a Great way to bring concerns to your related service providers or your general education teachers or whoever you're meeting with. Even if you're not confident or well-versed in the language of the field, you can still describe what you're seeing and they can help you figure out appropriate accommodations or strategies. Open lines of communication foster collaboration, which only benefits the child. And another thing I like to do was plan lessons with my related service providers. This was a great way to utilize the push and service delivery model. My speech therapist could join me for a reading lesson, and it was a great way for me to see exactly how she used her strategies during reading. I could practice in a lesson with her and carry it over when she's not there. Here's a good example. I had a student working on using five to six word sentences. My speech therapist had a strategy where she tapped out with her finger as a prompt to help the student expand. She joined my reading class and demonstrated how I could easily use the same strategy. I practiced it with her and then I carried it over when she wasn't there. And then another time that you really should be meeting with them is the IEP. You've got to work closely with them during this time. I like to sit down and work on assessments and present levels together so we're all on the same page. And we also craft the goals together. It's really important to remember that IEP goals that are supported by the SLP, OT, and other service providers are not the sole responsibility of those service providers. So my SLP had to break this down for me. I had a child who had an articulation goal. I was in the mindset of like, I teach math, reading, science, and social studies. Articulation is your thing. But she saw him for 30 minutes a week. I had him for 30 hours a week. She said, even if I'm the one working on articulation, you can still be taking data so I can have an idea if he's able to articulate words during reading, during a cooking lesson. And once she said it like that, I was like, oh, you're right. I hear him articulate words all the time. I totally can be taking that data and I totally should be taking that data. Then I was able to give her information that she really needed that showed her what was going on when she wasn't present. And so when we worked all together, we could better monitor progress on goals, and make more appropriate goals moving forward. Next area we're going to talk about is things to communicate. So we just talked about the IEP and how those goals are not sole responsibility of related service providers. It is our responsibility as a case manager to keep our related service providers up to date on what's going on in our classroom. 
So using the example given, if my speech therapist is coming to the reading lesson, maybe she never sees what it looks like in morning calendar or content lesson or art. I might see different levels of communication and different struggles at different parts of the day. I need to communicate that with her so she can stay up to date on student progress. I also was not great in the beginning, but got a lot better at going with concerns. You know, if I had trouble figuring out how to implement the communication device during a lesson, if I wasn't sure if I was supporting comprehension questions during reading with the right strategies, if I noticed that my student was having difficulty grasping his pencil or he was unable to space his writing on the line, these are all things that you can bring up. Just because you don't have an accommodation right now doesn't mean one's not necessary. And this is where I would get tripped up because I would be nervous, like what if this isn't something that the SLP or OT would work on? Well, what's the worst thing that happens? They don't have a strategy for me, and I'm right back to where I started. Once I got a lot more confident in asking them for help, a lot of times they did have an idea I could try. So always bring concerns up and see what happens. The last thing that I love to share with related service providers is classroom events. My SLP might come in for reading, but if I had a cooking lesson that she felt like she could assist with, we might move her therapy. And if my related service providers couldn't come for fun activities, they might carry it over to pull out therapy. I also would share what we were learning in content, and my SLP liked to tie that in. So when we were doing weather for science, she would have weather-themed activities in her pull-out sessions, so that's helping us take the concepts and put them all over the environment. It's just really nice to establish that they're teachers just like you, and if they can come for special activities or carry those over, it helps us build that classroom community that's dedicated to supporting students. And like I said, I sometimes got nervous, so we're gonna end with a couple of tips for communication. So first is be confident. I used to get really nervous talking to related service providers because I didn't understand the terminology and I had no idea how to say what the issues were. I was really doing myself and my students a disservice because I didn't just tell related service providers in my own words what I was seeing. SLPs and OTs understand that you don't have the same background that they do and they genuinely want to help. If you just go and say in basic language what you're saying happened in your classroom, it gives them the opportunity to make suggestions or come see them for themselves so they can see if they can support. They can't help you if they don't have any idea that you're having issues. So don't let the fact that you don't know what proprioceptive needs are and you can't name five AAC device types stop you from telling them that there's an issue that you need their help with. The second thing is be respectful because sometimes you might see things differently. It can be frustrating, but remember, they have degrees just like you. And if they're suggesting something, it's for a reason. If they recommend a strategy that you don't agree with, or you would like to have an accommodation they don't agree with, try having a conversation to understand why they have opposing viewpoints. They might be able to provide you with research, best practices, or articles that help explain why they have their opinion, and you might be able to give them a perspective that helps them shift so you can deal with the issue. The last tip is compromise you're going to need to compromise. Take into account the fact that your related service providers have their own backgrounds, expertise, and knowledge that they're bringing to the table. If your OT tells you that perhaps the way your classroom is decorated is causing more sensory issues for your students, she's probably saying it because she has research to back her up. I had that exact scenario happen and I got very defensive. I'd spent a lot of time and money setting up my classroom, but turns out she was right. When I took the highly stimulating decor down, it helped my students a lot. 
And I'm going to give you another example that's a little bit more complicated, but it's a good example of how the open lines of communication can help. So in Virginia, we have to do the Virginia Alternative Assessment Portfolio. It's a portfolio-based assessment that we turn in at the end of the year to demonstrate what our students learn as per their curriculum. It's required for all students on the aligned standards track and have not been exempt from the portfolio. Now the portfolio typically takes me about six months to do. It's very intensive and it's due in April. I start working on it in October. My last year of teaching was a little bit more challenging and we had some trouble getting content running. I remember it was right before Thanksgiving, I started rolling out core content because I was feeling that pressure. I was already a month behind on my portfolio. My SLP and OT were in my classroom a lot and they encouraged me to wait, to back off. We were still trying to get things studied with behavior, classroom management, basic reading and math rotations. But when I explained that I had a state portfolio, I had to get done and I had less than five months, and it typically took me six months to get done, and it was state-mandated, and I didn't have an option to put it to the side, they understood why I was insisting I had to teach some content lessons. Once I explained the pressure I was feeling as a teacher and my requirements, they understood why I was taking that step, and then they helped me figure out how to take these academic concepts and make them more meaningful to my class. It was a complete compromise, but it was all about those open lines of communication that helped us get to a point where we could work together to find a solution. Now, in this podcast, you heard me frequently say SLP and OT because those were the people that I most closely worked with. But these same skills apply if you're working with a physical therapist, if you have a visual impairment teacher, deaf and hard of hearing teacher, general education teacher, a school psychologist, anybody like that that you're collaborating with. I hope you heard something in this podcast that can help you and take time to build those relationships because it really will help you, your students, and your classroom in the end. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you guys found something useful and you can always come visit me on Instagram at Adaptation Station for more content all about work and life. I hope you guys join me for the next episode and have a good one.